Why not expect a miracle? I say to you, why not expect a miracle? Why not expect to be blessed in a way that you haven't been blessed before? Why not expect to be that this is a time that will be unlike the rest of the time of your life and that this is the day that you can start a new trek, a new journey forward in him, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So many times, and you've heard all the biblical platitudes and what many preachers say and what we, we all believe as what our Christian walk should be, our Christian life should be, but many times deep down inside we really don't believe that it is God's will for us to be victorious. Many times when you're struggling in life and things just seem to be going awry, you start wondering, gee whiz, Lord, I know your word says that you want me to be victorious, but gee, I'm really struggling. What do you think God's intention is for your life? What do you really think God's intention is for, for your life? What do you think God's divine intention is for your life? What do you think his divine intention is? What is divine intention? Is that just some theological term to be used and thrown about? No, it is not. For you to understand what God's divine intention is, it's a lot more than just some biblical theological term floating there in the, in the atmosphere someplace, but it is directly aimed at you because God has a divine intention for your life. Many times in life it may not feel like it, but it does. Before we can get into divine intention, we must first become to understand just what the divine intention is or what is God's intention is, what it is for us to have fellowship with him in obedience and to benefit from all that he has in store for us. So before I get into the divine intention and how it impacts you directly, we must always build a foundation. And as usual, we can't go by my opinion. We have to go to the word of God here in Genesis 1. Amen. So let's go to Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1. What is this divine intention? Let's get a clear understanding of what it is. God has a purpose. God has always had a purpose, and he has a purpose for you, even today here in the 21st century. Genesis 1, and we're just going to go to verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, if you don't already have it underlined, underline that word dominion. Okay? Let us make man. First of all, it says make man. Man was created. Man was not evolved. Okay? Man did not evolve out of some slimy ooze someplace. Okay? Your spirit was not a leftover from some past life where you walked the earth as a donkey or something and God decided to bring you back as a man. He said, let us make man in whose image? In our image. And let our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said, said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. Underline subdue. And subdue it. And subdue it. And have, there it is again, dominion. Underline dominion. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, 
which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So we see that the divine intention of God starts with us, for us to have dominion over the things in the earth, and under the earth, and over the things in our lives also, we're to have dominion. The same plan that God had in creation still exists today, and is still a part of God's plan. However, in the carrying out of our day-to-day lives, we seem to forget that God's will will be done in our lives if we simply give our lives over to him. God's will will be done if you give your life over to him. And in order for us to fully grasp this concept, we must understand that God's divine intention was and is by going to the word of God as always, as we have, as we have done. Praise the living God. Oh, come on here. Thank you, Jesus. A little technical, mechanical difficulty here. Sorry, my iPad's here acting up. Oh, gee, sorry about that, folks. Always have a backup plan. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Always have a backup plan. God is good. Amen. Amen. So we see that here, first, in understanding that, as we've seen here in Genesis, the same plan that God has back then still applies to us us today. In Genesis 2, you go to Genesis 2, 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, and starting with verse number 7, we see, And the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the earth. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and came into four heads. The name of the first is, is Pison, that is, in which it encompassed the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is, is uh, good. There is Bedelium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same it is that encompassed the whole earth of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hittakel, which is that which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. <clears throat> to dress it and to keep it. Underline the word and to keep it. Here again, this is saying that God is telling him or telling Adam at the time that he would be in dominion of this particular land and that he was in charge of keeping it. The word of God goes on to say, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. 
And the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every uh, called them, every living creature, that was the name thereof. Now, this was giving Adam ownership. See, now, when God says that I have given you I've given you dominion and also dominion over your life, that means that God wants you to take ownership of it. Now, knowing that God is indeed our all in all, knowing that we have nothing short of God, nothing other than God, we still have something to say about our lives. This is God's intention. We're not supposed to be bounced around like ping pong balls from anyone and anybody in your life just bouncing around from pillar to post. You're supposed to take some ownership. He told Adam, whatever you call the beasts of this land, that shall be the name. So he was giving Adam some ownership. And so you have some ownership of your life. Verse 20, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found any help meet. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which is the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked and the man and his wife, which were, and they were not ashamed. So here we're just looking at how God gave Adam some dominion. God gave man instructions in verse 15 there for life. Man's dominion and God's order to subdue meant that man began with a mind that was perfect in his finite capacity to, for learning. God gave him a mind that had his finite capacity for learning. However, man was not created knowing all the knowledge of the universe. But God did indeed give us a finite capacity for learning in order for us to subdue into dominion. Man is, is commanded to subdue, that is to acquire knowledge and mastery of his physical environment for benefit of the human race. This is happening, but spiritual knowledge has hindered by sin separation from God. So in other words, what we're saying here so far is that man gave us, God gave us dominion over this earth. He said that we should subdue it, we should conquer it. To a degree, we have indeed done that. To a degree, we've done it. Okay, the fact that we are able to, um, as large as some animals are, I mean, as large as, as whales are, animals that are on the land, lions, uh, uh, elephants, and so forth, man is much, much smaller, and by physical comparison, we don't stand a chance. Yet still, though, we've mastered the way to capture those animals. We've mastered the way to tame those animals. We've mastered the way to get to some of the far reaches of outer space. We've mastered the way to get to the moon and send, and send uh, um, um, uh, apparatus to the outer planets and so forth. So to some degree, we've, we have some dominion. But it's the spiritual side which really controls our lives that we have failed to, to really have dominion for ourselves, you see. You've heard me say many times that we're citizens in two worlds. We both live in a physical world, but we also reside in a spiritual realm. It's the spiritual realm that guides our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. And if we don't have some dominion over the spiritual aspects of our lives, this is why we suffer. This is why we go through changes. This is why we have so many challenges in life. We go on into chapter number three, real briefly here, starting with verse one. And we see here where, uh, where Adam and Eve sin. Verse number one says, now that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hast thou said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. 
planting some doubt there. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. And there's the lie. And the devil goes on to tell us those same lies today when you are quoting scriptures and things that you want to accomplish in life. God, uh, the Satan, winds up putting a question in your mark or in, in your mind or making you think that what God said on the subject matter for your life, this is not true. It makes you start starting to start to doubt. This, again, is where we are, are wavering on the dominion that we have even over him since Jesus Christ. But you see, it started right here in the garden. He said, surely you shall not die, giving him the lie. Because what did God say? What did God say? Verse number five says, for God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, when your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, underline that she saw it and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. Also to her husband uh, uh, with her. And he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Okay? And this is where the guilt came in. So again we see here the devil The devil took truth and turned it into a lie. And what did, did Eve did do? She looked at something that was pleasing to the eye. So many times the devil will put things in our lives that are like a shiny object. God is telling us to do one thing, but the devil, through some other form of opposition, will bring something else or someone else to take your mind, to take your eye off of what God is telling you. You see, so again, what she was doing, is she was walking by sight instead of walking by faith, as we know we should be doing. But the devil oftentimes do that. So this dominion that you have in your life, when are you going to choose? Say, well, I'm not going to let this shiny object that the devil will be putting in front of me to counter what God has told me. If you're praying for God, praying to God for something really, really serious in your life, some, something you're really wrestling with, and God gives you some instruction. Mark my words, I've been doing this a long time. Something else, someone else will come along before you to distract you away from what God is telling you to do. God, something else will come your way that will try to take your mind off of what, had God, what God had told you to do. It will be a shiny object, you see. So this thing may look good and appealing in, in, in your eyes. It may say, oh boy, well gee, it does make sense that I do that instead of doing what God said to do. This looks so attractive. Let me look at this particular shiny object and let me go and do what, what, what this is, is calling me to do. That's why the scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. If we go by our physical senses, our five senses, it can lead us astray of what God really, really intends for us to do. You see? see. So we see it now. So, so the, the, the foundation I'm laying here, you see that God's intention was in the Garden of Eden for man, Adam and Eve, to, to have total bliss and walking with him on a daily basis and knowing him. Satan came along, okay, and caused this problem and caused them to sin. And then we know that after that, what, what was God's solution to that? It was Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We know also that in the, uh, in the Tower of Babel, after the flood and, and man was starting to repopulate the earth, okay, what did Nimrod go and do? They started putting together bricks and said, let us build us a tower unto heaven and so forth, okay? And all through the history, we know that man, uh, Israel continued to sin left and right. God knew that the only way to save mankind was to bring his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to this earth so that he could die for us and redeem us from that sin. 
Okay, so God again paved the way for us to have access to him. You know, the word of God says that when Jesus was on the cross, when he gave up the ghost, the spirit, it said that the spirit, the uh, veil in the temple was torn in two, thus signifying that now that man had access directly to God through Jesus Christ. We did not have to send a high priest once a year to go into that temple only behind the, in the Holy of Holies, behind that veil, to worship God and to plead the case for mankind or for the, for the congregation, so to speak, or the, the children of Israel, to be more exact. But now through Jesus, we have direct access to God. So through Jesus Christ, you have access to God. You can go to the Father in the name of Jesus and bring whatever it is that is going on in your life and that is troubling you directly to, to, uh, to God. So Jesus paved the way. Uh, that was the way it was, and it still is God's will for us to take dominion and to be victorious and to be overcomers. God has already given us this dominion, but we have to take it and to use it in our lives. It's like you've heard me say so many times. That, you know, I think I, it was last week it was that I was talking about this woman back in New York that, that was a homeless woman that was found on the subway tracks where she was living, and she was killed by a train on the subway tracks. And when they found her belongings, she had a shopping cart that was filled with all sorts of clothing and so forth. And when they went through her, her shopping cart, they found three bank accounts. This woman had, had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But because of her mental faculty or, faculty or the lack thereof, whatever was going on, she was not accessing that money. Well, God has given you dominion. God has given you freedom. But if you don't choose to access what God has given you, then you can't benefit from it. It's like that woman having all this money in her shopping cart, but she's choosing to live the life of a pauper. You see, so God has given this, this, given this dominion to us. But how many, ti- how many times do you as a child of God? Even think about the word dominion. How many times do you as a child of God think of the fact that, that or remember the fact that you are a child of God? The word of God says you're an heir to the kingdom. An heir meaning that all that the king has is, 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 is at your disposal. How many times do we think about that? When we have issues of life going on on our job, going on in school, going on in the neighborhood or whatever it is that's going on, we totally don't think about the word dominion. We totally forget about the fact, wait a minute, I'm a child of the king. Everything that you need in life, God has already given you. Okay? All right? When you're feeling down and out, when you're feeling depressed, instead of feeling that depression and, 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 and you start praying to God, which we oftentimes do, Lord God, give me your joy. When you're feeling depressed, nothing wrong with that prayer. Lord God, give me your joy. Well, guess what? God has already given you that joy. God has given it to you. Okay, you have to choose to take that joy. So what you do is you bind up and you rebuke uh, uh, that spirit of depression. I refuse to have you here, spirit of depression, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. God has given you that joy. You see, so God has given you dominion. You see, and, and, and we are come. You take dominion on your jobs every day. When you have a task that comes before you and if it's really challenging, okay, if you do like I hope you, you do do, you know, you close the door. If you're in a cubicle, you don't have a door. You, you pause a minute and you say, Lord God, give me the answer to this problem that I have. How do I figure out how to get this particular task done? Okay, this is you taking dominion over your work. You see, so sometimes you do it, you know, you do it in the physical. If you have a hard time in figuring out how to do something around your house, how to put something together, how do I put up this Christmas tree? It just doesn't want to stand up right. You know, whatever it is that you're doing physically, you wind up taking dominion over that task and you do it. But when it comes down to the spiritual things in our lives, 
we oftentimes forget that we have dominion. God gave it to us. And we can't let the devil come in there and present shiny objects to put before us to distract us away from what God wants us to do. You see? And, and, and if you will take the time. Thank you, Jesus. If you will take the time to go to God with whatever is going on in your life, starting tomorrow, take to God whatever is going on in your life and ask him for direction, knowing deep in your spirit that it's God's will for you to have dominion and to be victorious in your life, you'll get an answer. You'll hear an answer. The problem is that we don't often choose to follow what he's telling us to do. Okay? So having dominion on, just God giving us dominion does not come without some checks and balances. Okay? God didn't give us this powerful tool for us to run rampant and to run crazy with it. The still requirement is that we do things in accordance with his word. That we be obedient to him. God wants you to be victorious. He does not want you to fail. So like I said, to an extent, we have dominion. But it's the spiritual side that we wind up wrestling with so much. So if we fully understand God's plan and how it played out through Jesus Christ, you'll be victorious in our lives. And Corinthians speaks of that. Go to, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Romans speaks of that. Go to Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, and we're going to start with verse number, number 1. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them recording, uh, I bear them Record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Okay? We need to submit ourselves to the righteousness of God. It, it, it's full well and good and well that we think, well, I'm a good person, and I do this and I do that. I tithe regularly. I'm on the usher's board. I'm on the elder's board. I do this and I do that. I don't steal. I pray for people and so forth, okay? That's all fine. But if, and then if you're saying that I have Jesus in my life and I have eternal life and you have not uh, confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you are creating your own righteousness, okay? Every people say that, oh, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Do you know Jesus Christ? Uh, well, kind of. Um, have you ever confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Uh, well, no. But I'm a good person. I don't need to do that. You see, that's your own righteousness. It's great to be a good person, but absent Jesus Christ, though, that's not the righteousness of God. Because they have not submitted themselves to Jesus Christ. I was speaking to them this early, and I was talking about how some people oftentimes say, well, Jesus, if I, if I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and become a Christian, I'm not going to be able to have any fun anymore. I'm not going to be able to enjoy life. I'm not going to be able to hang out with songs. I won't be able to party. Won't be able to. And they don't realize that living life without Jesus, that's where you're missing the joy. Okay? And, and, and it goes beyond even Jesus, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is your first step. It's your submitting yourself to the will of God every single day of your life. If you've got issues going on in life, things that you're wrestling with, I don't care how small they are. I don't care how small they are. 
I mean, you heard me talk about the hangnail. I mean, I'll pray about a hangnail, a hangnail, because I knew a guy that cut his uh, a, a, a nail too closely and wound up getting all sorts of infection, and he eventually had to lose that leg. It was on his toe. So I pray to God for every single little thing. God wants you to do that. It's when God sees in your life that you are willing to bring even the small things to God. That's submitting yourself. There's nothing in your life that you can't bring to God. And the moment that we come to a point in our lives that I can do this without God, I can make this decision. This is when things really start going wrong in your life. You see, you see, you see, because you make decisions based on your limited knowledge of time and space. You make decisions based on what happened yesterday, today and what you think may happen tomorrow. That's how we make decisions as human. God, as humans, God does not live in, in, in linear time. God does not live in yesterday, today and tomorrow. God lives in a constant now. Okay, that, that's how he is omnipresent, omniscient, and so forth, you see. But we as human beings, we start making decisions based on what we think happened yesterday, what's going on in our lives today, and therefore we do A squared plus B squared equals C squared, and we say, oh, gee, I know it's going to happen tomorrow. And it's not always like that, because what you think may happen tomorrow may not even happen, you see. But by submitting your life to God or any little thing to God, any little thing to God, God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So therefore, if you listen, listen to him, then he will guide you into tomorrow. Any little thing. All right. I'll tell you a little, little something. Probably maybe it's too much information, but <laughs> I had a, a hangnail on my right little toe or something that was just paining me every time I walked. So let me just take off my sock and just take a good look at what's going on on my left pinky toe. And it was, there was a piece of nail when I was <laughs> last time trimming my toenail. Right. Boy, what is, he, what is he preaching about from the pulpit, right? And I was turning my toenails. There was a piece of nail that was still left on there and it was getting hung up in my sock. And I couldn't really see to get to it to really cut it again. I distinctly hold, heard the Holy Spirit say to me, leave it alone. Put a Band-Aid on it and it'll grow back out. Because if you go further, you may cut. You may cut into the skin. Okay? That's exactly what I did. Put a Band-Aid around it and praise the living God. God, I can walk. <laughs> Okay, I can walk. Okay, if I had not listened to that and tried to fool around with those clippers, maybe I would have cut into the skin and infection set in and so on and so on. Okay, but what I'm saying to you is that submitting yourself to God means every single aspect of your life. I don't care what it is. Okay, okay, you're doing the dishes, your your garbage disposal all of a sudden goes on the fridge. Pray, ask God, what should I look at? What should I look at? You see, this is the dominion that God has given us. But we forget that in our lives and we struggle. We go through life just struggling all the time. So we see getting back to, uh, to, to Romans here. Um, for Christ, verse number four, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Underline that believeth. For every, to everyone that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, or speaks this way. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend unto heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh, even in thy mouth and even in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess uh, with thy mouth that the Lord, um, that Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
So this pausing right there, it just says that the word is nigh you even in your mouth and in your heart. You see? So one of the other aspects of understanding and believing what dominion is, is to understand that the word of God is in your mouth. You know, you are like, you are like a, a, a complete package. When God said here in the Bible that he created us in his image, well, what is God? God is spirit. So that means the true you is spirit. The tabernacle is the word of God often refers to the the body, human body. The tabernacle, this tent, this shell, is our physical being. Within this shell, we have a mind or a soul. Okay? But the true essence of us is the spirit. That's what is made in the image of God. The interesting thing is that 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 tripartite being that we are, a theological theologian term, that tripartite being is very similar to the Trinity. But we are in three parts, and that part that really relates to God is your spirit. So we are kind of complete in that our relationship with God on a day-to-day basis is really with Holy Spirit. It's with God. It's with Jesus. But we forget that, especially when we are in a turmoil, when there's turmoil going on in your life. You know, when you get a piece of mail that is troubling or you get a phone call that is troubling or someone works into your office or someone on the jobs brings some, brings some bad news to you, how often do you stop and think? Well, gee whiz, I'm a tripartite being, and my spirit links to God, or I have dominion. How many times do we do that? Okay, you see? But in order for you to do that, that means, again, you're not walking in the spirit. You're you're walking in your mind, because you're having your mind do the thinking. Oh, yeah, I must remember that I have dominion and, 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 and that I'm a tripartite being. If you get that knowledge back down in your spirit, your spirit knows what the situation is. And then the spirit, your spirit, which is in contact with the spirit of God, will guide you through whatever is happening in your lives. You see? But the first thing is to remember, though, I do have dominion. Okay? And, and, and the word is near you. It's in your mouth. And it's in your heart. How does it get into your heart? It gets into your heart by, into your heart by you reading the word of God continually, by you praying to God. You know, uh, 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 um, Christianity, which means a follower of Christ, being a Christian is a follower of Christ, doesn't mean that you have memorized the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That's head knowledge. That's intellectual knowledge. That's you being able to memorize a bunch of words. You can do that. You've done that in school. If you had a poem to memorize for school, you've done that. You just sit and you dwell and dwell until you remember. Okay? But, but getting it in your mouth and down in your heart is where you get the word of God so, so ingrained in your being that it's in your spirit. So that when things are going on in your life, this is what bubbles up first. The word of God bubbles up first. And that's what is, that what is what determines your decision. Okay? If you're doing it the other way around, this is your mind, this is your thought. And when we get things in, in the mind and in, in, in this thought process here, we, we wind up um, uh, 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 thinking on it. You know, we wind up philosophizing, philosophizing on what's going on in that thought. We wind up analyzing that thought. And, you know, we human beings are great at rationalizing what is right or wrong with our lives. Then you start thinking about, okay, it's okay for me to make this decision without God. It's okay for me to do this because this is what I want to do. And boy, this must be a good thing because I actually thought of it, you see. But that's when you are determining your your, your life based on the thoughts that run through your mind instead of letting God, submitting to God, and let God guide your thoughts through your spirit. Okay? All right? I hope you I hope you're grasping this because it can mean a big difference in how you wind up, uh, 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 you, you know, processing things that wind up happening to you. And of course, it all starts with starts with your confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we're all believers here, so we know that you've done that. 
So if you realize that confessing Jesus and submitting to God's commandments leads to taking dominion over our lives, if you, if you under, understand the foundation that we just talked about, about you really having the dominion, so then the question is then, um, how do you choose to take dominion in your life? If you haven't been aware of, of what dominion means, and if you haven't been aware of taking dominion in your life, then how do you actually go about doing that? Well, even the non-believer recognizes that we have choices. You have someone that is not a child of God. People in the secular world, non-believers, unbelievers, believe that we all have choices. They either believe that the glass is full or that the glass is, is half empty. How many negative Nancys do you know in the world? People that you talk to, no matter what you say to them, something is wrong. Okay? Right? How many times have you gone to work on a Monday morning and said to someone, Oh, good morning to you. Well, you're 50% right. It's morning. I don't know how good it is. It's Monday morning. There's nothing wrong with Monday. Amen. Monday is the same as any other day of the week if you're a child of God. Okay? We need to take dominion over stress in your life. You need to, to, to not let stress uh, get into your mind because according to God's words, it depends on how you choose to believe. So you can choose to believe something that's happening in your life as, as this is the end, this is the last straw, this is how I'm going to fail. Or you can choose to say, well, wait a minute, though. God has given me dominion. So I'm going to choose to remember that I have dominion over this situation, that I can take charge of my life. Let's go to Proverbs 12. Proverbs chapter 12. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs 12, verse number 25. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. Okay? So again now, realizing that you have dominion over your life, then how are you going to choose to let your day go by? If you're feeling heavy about something, if there's something weighing on you, that, that is, is literally a heaviness. I've told you many, many times that when you're feeling that kind of heaviness, you need to run to God. You need to pray it out. You need to give whatever you're caring about to him because the word of God says to cast your burdens upon him. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So heaviness in the heart of man makes it a stoop, but a good word makes it glad. So if you're feeling heavy, you feel like there's a weight on your back, remember that a good word which comes from the word of God can make that heavy heart of yours uh, uh, lighten and you feel much better. We go to Philippians 4. I'm going to read reading some very familiar verses here, but let's analyze what it's saying. And are you choosing to, to take in what these scriptures are saying to you? Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse number 6. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Philippians 4, verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, 
Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Underline, please, think on these things. Think on these things. So going back to verse number six, think on these things. So verse number six says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So careful for nothing doesn't mean for you to be unsafe. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't be, you should be unsafe and not be careful. What that means is that you should not be carrying cares. Okay? So part of this is in, in, in taking back and understanding that you have the dominion. That means, first of all, you need to understand that you can choose. You can choose on what you do with the burdens that are in your life. You can choose. Don't let the devil have dominion over you. You take dominion over the situation by saying, first of all, any burden that I'm, that I'm carrying, that I'm carrying, I'm going to give it to God. And, and how does it say to do that? It says, it says by prayer, through prayer and, and supplication. Amen? Amen. Give it to God. Let your request be made known unto God. And then what? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, so keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All right, there's the peace. Lord, I've got this thing going on in my life. I don't know what to do about it. Lord, this person at work is coming against me. Lord, this is is happening. Lord God, I'm going to give this to you. You know the situation. Lord, I'm going to cast it upon your mighty shoulders and give it to God. And when you do that, as you've heard me again say a million times, you will literally feel the burden lift from you. And then you'll have the peace. Why and how you'll have that peace? Well, the word of God says you won't understand how you'll have that peace, but you'll have that peace. Okay? And you have to get to the point where you are praying to God enough that you're working with God enough to know that when you finally release whatever it is that you're worrying about to God and you've prayed about it, you will indeed experience a peace to take you through the next several days or months or whatever it might be ahead. You see, so we have to, again, choose to take dominion over your life. Be careful for nothing. Be careful. Do not carry burdens around. You've got to choose to take that dominion or continue to carry burdens without prayer. Is that what you want to do? Would you care to just continue going through life with burdens or just say that this is enough? God gave me dominion over things in my life through prayer. God gave me dominion, so I refuse to carry it any further. Go to 1 Peter 5. Thank you, Jesus. Again, this is talking about casting your cares. Chapter 5, verse number 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You can underline that if you don't already have it underlined. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Okay. You know, matter of fact, going back up to verse number 6 there. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves. Another part of our Christian lives is that many times we actually get so puffed up in ourselves, we start thinking, well, I'm a child of God. I'm a, 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 a Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And you start, you know, you start feeling that I can do all things in my life without God. This is getting, you know, you have to remember that Jesus Christ, as powerful as he was, he also was very, very humble. So we need to remember that, first of all, we are not mightier than God. 
And when you really you stop and think about it, when you are really dealing with something in your life that is troublesome, when you're really carrying a burden and you refuse to actually take that burden to God, are you in essence saying, I don't need God? Stop and think about it for a minute. You've got a problem, an issue going on in your life and you just refuse to take it to him. You refuse to spend some time with him. Are you really feeling deep in your spirit that I can do this without God? Amen. Amen. Because we shouldn't be feeling, oh, I don't want to trouble God with it because God has already said to bring your cares to me. So, yes, if you are still being so stubborn that you don't want to take your situation for God, then to, to God, then are you really, really saying that 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 you, that you are just as great as God and you certainly aren't humbling yourself before him? You have to get to the point that you realize that God is the only one that can help you. Verse 7, again, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Okay, be sober, be vigilant. Verse 8 again, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he, whom, uh, he may de- desire, uh, devour. Do you know that every single time that you're refusing to take something to God, to God, you're exposing yourself? The devil is out there looking around uh, to see where he can uh, put a, a shiny object out there in front of a, a child of God to get that child of God to fall or to not go to God. To, to get you to, to look away from God. So he prowls around looking to see whose defenses are down. He prowls around seeing who has the gates to their backyard wide open and are basically saying, come on in. You see? And I submit to you here today that the longer you go without prayer, the longer you go without taking a situation uh, to God, you're letting that fence that God has around you go down because, because you, you, you don't hear. You're not, you're not in a position to hear, to hear what God is telling you to do. You see, and the devil, you know, he prowls just looking for opportunities to get to Christians, you know. And one of his, his greatest uh, um, uh, 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 successes is when he takes the child of God, the devil takes the child of God and causes that child to fall. Causes that child to God, of God to fall. OK, and we know that God doesn't desert us. God never leaves us. God, we're always God's presence is always around. us. Remember last week's sermon. God's presence is always around us. We can't run or hide from God, as the word of God says, so he's there. Okay? But if the devil is prowling around, seeking to see whom he can devour, and if he's able to devour, it's because your defenses are down. Either you strayed away from God or you're not there listening to God so that God can tell you exactly what to do. Do you realize, do you really realize that, (laughs) do you really believe, I should say, that God knows what your tomorrow is like? Do you really, really believe you're a child of God? You've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you really, really believe that God knows what Monday morning is going to be like for you? And you don't. So why not run to him that knows? Okay. People will will run to the astrology, uh, astrology columns. They'll they'll run to different things. They'll run to fortune tellers. They'll run to many, many different things to find out what the future is going to be for them. Well, guess what? God knows. And God is willing to navigate you through that future of yours. God may not give you long-term glimpses into your future, but he can certainly tell you what's going to, what you should or should not do for Monday morning, especially if you've got an issue at work or at school or wherever you're heading. God knows, okay? So take dominion and make a choice and say, I'm going to go to God with this. I'm going to pray to him tonight. I'm going to pray to him in the morning. And I'm going to cast all my cares upon him. Okay, I'm going to humble myself before him because I know that that devil is out there trying to take me wherever he would like me to go. 
wherever he wishes me to go, that is further and further away from God. Amen. So dominion is remembering that you have dominion. And then after you realize you have that dominion, choose to, to use it, choose to take advantage of it. And last scriptures here in closing. Let's go to Matthew six. Favorite verse. Matthew chapter six. This is a familiar scripture. You all know about it. We've been here many times. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on it. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, and how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet, uh, yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all, uh, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, is to, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto is the day, uh, uh, is the, uh, what is it? Uh, is sufficient, the day is the evil thereof. Now I want to just read from you, read to you. From the Amplified Bible, that same scripture. Because the Amplified Bible really kind of brings it home. You get here to 25. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy. Stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious and worried about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or about your body. What you shall put on is not life greater in quality than food and the body far above and more excellent than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. Air they neither sow nor reap nor gather unto barns. And yet your heavenly father keeps feeding them. Are you not much more worth than they? And who of you by worrying and being anxious can add one unit of measure to his stature or to the span of his life? And why should you be anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field. I tell you, even Solomon, all this magnificence, excellence, dignity and grace was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and green and tomorrow is tossed into the furnace, will he not much more surely clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry and be anxious, saying that we are, what are we going to eat? What are we going to have to drink? What are we going to wear? For the Gentiles, the heathen, 
wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows well what you need of in them all. But seek, aim and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Then all these other things so taken together will be given unto you. So do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. All right. So in other words, just in everyday language, what that is saying there is that do not be worrying about the things that are going on in your life. You get a, get a notice in the mail that your bill is overdue, that you got your rent or your mortgage to pay. That is the least thing for you to be worried about. You don't have to be concerned about that. Remember the fact that God gave you dominion. God gave you the ability to choose over which route you're going to take. Are you going to give your care to him or are you going to carry it and try to figure out exactly what it is that you need to do? Take dominion in your life. God gave it to you. Take dominion in your life and decide to choose which route you're going to take. Either you're going to follow and let God guide your life. Let him sincerely, he, he wishes to, to, to just grab you into his bosom and just embrace you and lead you into where he wants you to be. But many times we fight him by forgetting that he's there for us. So the choice is yours. Do you wish to just give it all to the devil and let the devil just rule your life? Or indeed, do you wish to, to submit to God and let him guide you? Praise God. I pray this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.